Hey, Helena, do you remember the Beyonce moment that you and I had a few years ago? Yes, for Beychella. Helena Andrews Dyer writes about pop culture for The Post. Coachella, you ready? Let's go get on it's when it came out on Netflix. Right. And Homecoming. Yes. When Homecoming came out on Netflix, we were like, where are we going to watch this? Who has a big enough TV? And we ended up going to a hotel <laughs> and During watching the week. it. Yes. <laughs> and we had a wonderful time in this hotel suite. Oh, those are eight of us. Yeah. Probably like eight of us. We're like dancing it. in the hotel room oh, in the amazing. middle of the week, screaming. Uh, screaming at this show on Netflix. It wasn't even in person. No, no. I mean, it. And yet it was wildly exciting. And that's the thing about Beyonce. Like, it doesn't matter. You could watch her on TV or on your phone and you're still going to be just energized in a way that I don't know if any other superstar can do that. Yeah, and get us in a a hotel room on a Tuesday night. (laughs) (laughs) We are once again in the middle of a big Beyonce moment. And of course, the person I really wanted to talk to about this was Helena. Okay, big, big news about Beyonce is that she now holds the record for the most Grammys of any artist ever. She has 32. So that's the big, big news that happened at the Grammys. Also big news, she once again didn't win Album of the Year, which is almost hard to even get out of your mouth because it should not be true. And the other big news, Beyonce is preparing for a new world tour. She announced it at the beginning of the month with a mysterious Instagram post. She dropped an image on Instagram of her atop a bedazzled horse. Of course, why not? Right? (laughs) Wearing this, I want to call it a corset, but it was like much less than a corset, right? Um, And a bedazzled cowboy hat. And it just said, Renaissance World Tour 2023. That's it. And fans have been frantic ever since. They're trying to figure out how they would get tickets navigating a complicated maze to make sure they can see Beyonce in person. Ticketmaster announced that they would be doing, one, their verified fan account, which means you have to be a registered, a verified fan is what they call it. Okay. But then there's a bunch of levels to that. And then there's a lot of pre-sales, right? So there's the Beehive pre-sale, there was the verified fan pre-sale, there was like, if you had a city card, there was a pre-sale. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Friday, February 17th. Today, why some people are doing everything they can to get tickets to Beyonce's latest tour. Helena and I talk about what it is about Beyonce that makes us do these crazy things. In your conversations with fans, what have they told you about what they're doing to get tickets, how much money they're dropping on this, how big of a sacrifice is this? What are some of the more surprising things you've heard? No one is complaining about the ticket price. No mm. no, 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 fans of hers that I have heard of, from have complained. And I talked to a 19-year-old sophomore in college who bought tickets for her and her four friends. And I think they all ended up spending about $300 each. And she was like, I have a job. 
You know? Yeah, she's like, I have a job. <laughs> if, if not for Beyonce, then for what? Right, exactly. <laughs> she was just like, I have a job. This is fine. She's like, I put it on my credit card and my friends are just going to like pay me back as they can. We're going this summer. It's going to happen. I was like, okay, girl, very responsible. Mm-hmm. So many people I said, okay, well, if you didn't get the code, if you weren't able to register, like, what were you going to do? And to a person, everyone was like, oh, that wasn't that wasn't going to happen. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll I, figure it I out. will be getting these tickets yeah. by hook or crook. And there are some people I, I spoke to who are going to go to Amsterdam. They're going to go to Stockholm, Why? London, Paris. There's two reasons. One, because it's like, if you are a super Beyonce fan, why not make a trip out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why not see her in Paris? And the other thing, which I found very interesting, I didn't dig into it a lot, but... European tickets, because they have different regulations on how much ticket prices can be set as, are cheaper. Sometimes markedly cheaper. So, like, let's say you manage to get a ticket in Paris. Mm -hmm. Even if you factor in the cost of a trip, it might end up being cheaper to go to Paris. Yes. Or it might end up being one-to-one. And if it's one-to-one, you went to Paris, right? Exactly. Like, you're in Paris. Paris. (laughs) Um, so in general, what I'm hearing through my reporting is that it hasn't been a frustrating process in that people who registered, who were able to register, and then actually got a code, they have been, many of them, able to get tickets, right? Even though demand is through the roof. And Ticketmaster has been, because they learned from this Taylor Swift debacle, <laughs> To have a strong capitalist system, you have to have competition. You can't have too much consolidation, something that unfortunately for this country, as a uh, ode to Taylor Swift, I will say, we know all too well. They have been like just overly giving all the information. If you go to Ticketmaster's Twitter account, they'll be like, okay, get prepared. Group A like is so happening in 30 minutes, right? Like they're giving all all the information, Mm. right? So folks who have actually gotten a code have been able to get on the website, right? Get in the queue. And sometimes there'll be like 10,000 people ahead of you in the queue, right? Like it'll be like insane. And yet folks have still been able to get tickets because of this sort of staggered system and formula they've been laying out, right? Now, that isn't the folks who got waitlisted. And that was like the (laughs) dun-dun-dun. If you got waitlisted, it was perhaps the worst thing to ever happen to you, right? Because then you (laughs) couldn't get... Well, because then you couldn't get tickets because the only Uh, way to get on Ticketmaster's website is for them to send you this code. And then uh, you would go in with the code and that's how you get in the queue to get to buy tickets, right? It's like the new, I don't know, tent, right? Analog version would be setting up a tent outside the concert venue, which does not exist anymore. I no remember does those that. days, though, when, when you used to, like, be outside the mall or whatever and exactly. wait for the Ticketmaster to open up, and now it's just we're, like, waiting with bated breath waiting on our Waiting for the code, and- waiting for the link. That is that is the new version of all of this. And other people I've talked to, which I thought was hilarious, are very specific about who gets to go with them to the Beyonce concert. Right, because that's part of the experience. Yes. It's yes. like, who are you going to church with? Exactly. And it can't, It has to be someone who is dyed in wool, like, 
dipped in, in Beyonce's case, like blinged out, like a person who was a fan. I talked to one woman who is not bringing her wife because she was like, no, she's some timey. She doesn't know all the songs. She can't go. <laughs> she can't watch. She can't, she can't embarrass me like that. In no. Front of Beyonce. <laughs> she was like, she doesn't know all the songs. Yeah. She, you, are, you do not deserve mm. these tickets. I'm not spending this money. Does on she have you. a spare ticket for me? <laughs> right. And I was like, can I go? But yeah. And there are people who will go by themselves right. because when you're there, you know, everyone there is most likely also a dyed and wool like Beyonce fan. And you you won't feel alone, even mm-hmm. if you're perhaps there by yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hilarious. I've heard from so many fans who are just like, I need her to sweat on me in some way. You <laughs> know, want, like, like it was very bodily. Beyonce Yes. <laughs> I talked to one fan who went to the Formation <sighs> tour and she was like, I was so close that when she performed Freedom... And they were stomping around in, like, water. She was like, the water splashed on me and my sister. She was like, and we felt like we had been anointed. Like, (laughs) I have to be that close. I need to be that close for some type of fluid to touch me, which is hilarious. What is it about this as an experience Mm -hmm. that— is leading people to do this and to talk about it and just like even like navigate such like a Byzantine sort of like structure to figure out like how to get a ticket. I mean, your description of it sounds more complicated than anything I've tried to Absolutely. figure out to do. And I, I do my own taxes. All so. the maths. <laughs> yeah. All the maths are involved. You know, there are two things I asked everyone. I was like, why? Why Beyonce? Why is this it? And, you know, one woman said to me, One, Beyonce's just general message of loving yourself, loving your body, being empowered. Like, if you are at that concert, any concert experience, because I talked to one woman who's been to 17 Beyonce concerts in her lifetime. And she was like, you go into, it's an experience. Beyonce, we all know, brings her A-game. When she goes on stage, she's not just, like, up there singing songs. She's not phoning it in. No, absolutely not. (laughs) It's 100% every night. And the energy in the room is just very uplifting and powerful. I heard from some one woman, she was like, once you've seen a Beyonce concert, you then, you're like proselytizing about it. You're like, mm. you must go see Beyonce. And then I talked to Kalen Allen, who some people might know. He's a TV personality. He used to be on Ellen a lot. He actually dressed up as Beyonce for a Halloween episode of the Ellen DeGeneres show. He is a noted fan. I mean, he put the price of the tickets that he bought on Twitter. And he said to me, he's like, as a renaissance specifically, like this tour, this moment, he's like, as a Black queer person, I felt like this music, this album spoke to me. It is personal. Mm-hmm. Helena, I'm just wondering if you could just briefly sort of run down how— we got to this moment in Beyonce's evolution. Mm. Some of us have been with her since Destiny's Child days. Just to sort of remind us, like, her evolution as an artist and performer. You know, Beyonce has been a solo artist for 20 years. She's been a solo artist for 20 years. And then before that, she was the lead of Destiny's Child. And I think what... I myself as a fan of Beyonce and what I hear from fans of Beyonce who are now, you know, Beyonce is 41 years old. I'm 42. We have watched her grown up as we have grown up. Mm -hmm. As one person told me, you know, different moments of my life have a Beyonce song attached to them, right? So, so many people 
feel like they know Beyonce through her music, although we know as journalists, Beyonce and, and anyone from the outside looking in, she's very private. She is extremely private. She's not on social media telling you what she ate for breakfast. Mm-hmm. She's going to give you a look, you know. <laughs> yeah. She's going to give you an image. Yeah. But she is very private about her life. And yet everyone thinks they know her mm-hmm. and thinks she's speaking to them, right? Which is, that's a megastar. That is a sign of a megastar. And I think she has evolved from Dangerously in Love and B-Day and Four. And I think her, we always knew her as a, an amazing pop star, a great singer. And I think Beyonce, the Beyonce album, when that dropped, and it was like high concept. She was saying things in her music that, we had never seen her sort of like say before it. She released the visual album um, in conjunction with it. And the album dropped with it was all of a sudden like, oh, hello, there's a Beyonce album. In the middle of her doing a tour, she was on the Mrs. Carter world tour mm-hmm. and was like, oh, BT Dubs, here's this album, y'all. And all the visuals. Like, <laughs> girl, what? Like un- under wrap, secret, no leaking, yes, nothing. Unheard was, of in this day and age. And in that moment, it was like, oh, Beyonce is a megastar. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's not just a pop star. She's not just a singer. Like, this is... This is a moment we are witnessing, like, a a supernova at this point. Beyonce dropped, I want to say it was 13. Yes, Beyonce dropped in 13. And so that's then now, that's a decade into her career when she drops Beyonce. And I think that that was a very clear shift, like, where we could see her artistry, right? We could see her as as an artist, someone who really has something to say and a vision beyond just, like, being, like, a great dancer and performer, like, and singer and all of those things, but someone who had like a vision and then lemonade. In twenty sixteen. Right. It's like I do you have to say anything else about lemonade? I mean lemonade hit so deep into the lives, I think, of black women specifically, where she was just like singing our pain, our joy, our cultural heritage. She was making statements about the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, she was doing something where like, wait, what? And again, this is someone who doesn't give a lot of interviews, someone who doesn't reveal like her politics often or any of that. And all of a sudden, it felt like a peek into this deeper world, right? She's talking about marital strife, her husband cheating on her. Like, it was just so much motherhood, all the things. And I think since then, she has just been able to continually top herself conceptually, right? Where she's thinking like, oh, now I want to do Afrobeats with Black is King. Like, and then we get Renaissance, which is an homage to like queer ballroom culture, dance music, house music. That's what you are. It's like, what can't Beyonce do? What can she do? She literally can do, she's rapped on songs. I mean, it's just like, what can't she do? And she's consistently topping herself. And it doesn't seem like she cares about what is trendy in the industry. She cares about what interests her and what's going to make her, what message she wants to send out. And I think that's why a moment like this is something that where you feel like you can't miss it. Because who knows what she's going to give us next, right? right? It might be something completely different. So you next. better get it now. Right. So you better hop on it now. One fan told me, she was like, she's like, I don't know, this might be her last tour for a while. She's like, listen, Beyonce is 41. She's got three kids. She has given <laughs> us so much. Like, I wouldn't be mad if Beyonce was like, yeah, I'll see y'all in five years. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you can't wait. Right. R- wait around for the next thing. You have to 
get it while the getting is good, basically. After the break, we talk about why Beyonce matters, whether you're a fan or not. We'll be right back. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. So, Helena, we're talking about Beyonce, and she can arguably be seen as one of the most talented artists of her generation. You mentioned earlier that this month she broke the record for most Grammys received by an artist. But the ultimate award, Album of the Year, it escapes her grasp every year. It happened with Lemonade, and again this year with Renaissance, which lost to Harry's House, the Harry Styles album. And so, Helena, I want to ask you, how should we be thinking about this idea that time and again, Beyonce is not winning this top award, not getting this kind of industry stamp of approval? What does that leave you with? I think that's why that moment was so disappointing for fans of hers. Not, they understood, yes, she is now the most decorated artist in terms of Grammys ever, right? I think she's got... 88 nominations, tying only with her husband, um, and 32 actual awards, that's incredible. That's a feat. That's history. But looking at it, you think it's it's like someone who gets employee of the month every month, but then doesn't get employee of the year. Hmm. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, the math is not mathing on yeah. that. That doesn't make any sense. And so is it this idea that you can work really hard, right? And you can't divorce her gender. You can't divorce her race from these things, right? If you're having this conversation, this idea that a Black woman in this industry can work so hard, continually top herself, put out good music, put out amazing visuals, do all the tours, and you still say she's not the best. And you still, and you're like, oh, we'll award you, but not with this shiny award at the top of the hill. We'll just give you an award at every single step as you're climbing, mm-hmm. you know? And that, that's sad. <laughs> you know, that, that says something about the music industry as a whole and what they're into. It says something about the Recording Academy and the voters and the kind of music they're into, right? Especially when you have these albums. I th- so she's been up for Album of the Year four times. This last time with Renaissance, which w- is incredible, right, is this high-concept album celebrating queer culture that doesn't get recognized as Album of the Year. It, it got a best, I think, electric dance album. And then Limit, she was up for Lemonade, which wasn't just her masterpiece, was a masterpiece. Again, celebrating Black women, right? And so it's like those two losses, especially when she's celebrating marginalized people, and those don't win the industry's top honors, even though they're also just great music, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is like period, it says something about the industry. It's not something you can say, oh, well, maybe someone was better. When Adele was receiving Album of the Year ahead of Beyonce, she dedicated the last half of her entire speech to Beyonce. My artist of my life is Beyonce in this album for me. The Lemonade album was just 
so monumental, Beyonce. It was so monumental and so well thought out and so beautiful and soul-bearing and we all got to see another side to you that you don't always let us see and we appreciate that and all us artists here, you are our light. Because she was like, I don't, you should have won this. <laughs> like, uh, even the person who won it thought that. And yeah. so I, it, what it says about the industry is that it has a long way to go, even as it's celebrating her, right? Even as it's giving her some flowers, mm-hmm. right? It's not giving her the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is problematic. And I think a lot of her fans think that. And it's not just like, oh, all these crazy Beyonce fans. It's like, look at this objectively. Yeah. And then there's definitely something going on. Yeah, and it also makes me sort of think about, you know, like what you're saying, that her not getting these accolades says more about the institutions than it says about her. And yet she's still sort of showing up to those spaces, which I think is kind of interesting unto itself because Mm -hmm. there have been other artists in recent years, especially black artists, who have just said, I'm not coming to the Grammys. I'm not submitting anything to this institution because they just fundamentally are flawed and not able to recognize work of artists like myself. And yet Beyonce is still sort of showing up to these spaces. And so I just wonder, does this institutional approval matter for someone like Beyonce, especially, you know, now we're talking about her going on this tour, people going to such great lengths to go see her. I've seen her in concert and I'll be in a football stadium with like 70,000 people and we're all crying, like watching her perform. And it's just, does the statue really matter when you're really moving people night after night? Yeah, I think... You know, that's a good point. Uh, It's funny because she was an hour late to these Grammys, which I personally at the beginning, I was like, is she just not going to show up? Mm. Like, that would be a move, right? That is a chess move. Um, But she did show up. But she has not performed at the Grammys in a while. Her husband performed, which was interesting. I personally think she's showing up because she recognizes her stature in the industry, for other artists, Mm. even if it's not, I think, you know, even if she knows the recording Academy voters or whatever aren't going to recognize her, I think, you know, she always stands up and claps for everybody else, right? When Lizzo was basically saying, Beyonce, you're amazing. Like, I saw you in concert when I was a child and you made me want to be an artist. And Beyonce was like crying. Beyonce, whoo! In the fifth grade, I skipped school to see you perform. You changed my life. You you sang that gospel medley, and the way you made me feel, I was like, I want to make people feel this way with my music. So thank you so much. You clearly are the artist of our lives. You know, I think she recognizes her role there. So I think, if anything, she shows up for other artists, not necessarily for the industry, um, because she knows how important Grammys are to other artists, right? She has been that young person in the girl group at the Grammys, right? Um, And so, I mean, she is an elder stateswoman in that way. I mean, she's still such a young woman, but she's been in the business for so long. And I think that she recognizes her power there when it comes to other artists. If anything, I would say that's why she shows up. Because you're right, she does not have to show up. She could never show up at the Grammys again, and folks would still be in a frenzy to buy her her concert tickets and to buy her music. That's fascinating, yeah. 
Helena, I know you've written profiles and spent time with many trailblazing Black women in the entertainment and media industry, like Cheryl Lee Ralph, actress in Abbott Elementary. And I'm wondering what you have learned from these conversations about their lives, how they got to where they are, what it feels like to receive this sort of institutional recognition and how they're thinking about their future. That's interesting because that was sort of the theme of my conversation with Cheryl Lee Ralph, who I have been a fan of forever, right, when she was Moesha's stepmom. And I said to her, you know, you should have an EGOT. Like, do you think about that? Do you ever think like, oh, I could have had a different career? And she was like, well, just because I have it now doesn't mean I won't get it later. Mm. And that is how she shows up in her career. Like, the validation is great, right? It It is. Like, no one can deny, like, getting an award for work that you do every day is gratifying. But that's not why she's doing it. And she she's doing it because of the work, because she likes acting. And at this point in her career, she's being sort of, like, rediscovered by a whole new audience through Abbott Elementary and doing it so well. So she said to me, she was basically like, you know, I'm the idea that I have peaked doesn't like enter the chat to her. Right. She's like, I'm going to keep working and keep trying to top myself and keep challenging myself. And I think if we're talking about Beyonce, is that not what she does all the time? Right. She keeps working. She keeps challenging herself. She keeps doing something, pivoting and doing something completely different that you wouldn't expect, right? Because that's what interests her. That's how she wants to grow as an artist. And I think I hear that often from Black women in the business. I heard the same thing with from Viola Davis, who I interviewed this summer in Martha's Vineyard pre um, The Woman King coming out, right? And Viola Davis, who a lot of people thought should have been nominated for an Oscar for The Woman King um, and sort of got bumped off that list by this other actress in a small film that no one has ever seen. And again, Viola Davis is always coming with different work, mm. right? She's, the Woman King was a huge stress for her. This is a 50-something-year-old woman who was, like, doing two, three-a-days for months, yeah. right, to be a warrior on screen and to give us a story that we've never seen before, right? She's going to keep doing work. Should she have been nominated for an Oscar? Many people would see Heck yes, absolutely. But she's going to keep doing the work. So it's, I think, for a lot of marginalized people in the entertainment industry, they recognized that while the system isn't built for them, they're still going to keep chiseling away at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, Helena, when you sit back and you think about this moment with Beyonce and the way she's, you know, impacting a lot of people's lives, how are you thinking about her? What I love about Beyonce is that she has seemed to move through her life and evolve through her life from pop stardom to marriage to motherhood to mega stardom. And from At least from what she's showing us, she's been able to do it without sacrificing who she is as an artist Mm. and without sacrificing the idea that she can constantly change. And too often that's what we tell women. Too often that's what we tell um, Black women, women of color, that like you need to stay the same or you just need to keep doing the same thing. That's been working, girl, do that. And she's like, no, no, I'm going to switch it up. 
I'm going to switch lanes. I'm going to do something completely different. And maybe people love it. Maybe they don't, but I'm doing it for me. I think she's reached the level of stardom now where she represents so much to so many people and something different Mm -hmm. to so many people. Yeah. Yeah. And as she's evolved, it's almost like she's evolving and changing, but also it feels like she's being more, more and more herself or like Mm -hmm. coming into herself too. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that that's inspiring for so many people as well. Absolutely. Well, Helena, good luck to you. I hope you find some tickets. Thanks for (laughs) joining us. May the odds ever be in my favor. Helena Andrews Dyer writes about pop culture for The Post. And good news, Helena and I have both secured our tickets to Beyonce's Renaissance Tour. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's episode was produced by Jordan Marie Smith and Taylor White, who, yes, also scored Beyonce tickets. It was edited by Maggie Penman. Sam Bear mixed the show. The Post Reports team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Lucy Perkins, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnik, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Renny Svernovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. I'm Elahe Izadi. Monday is President's Day. We hope you have a great long weekend. And we'll be back Tuesday with more stories from The Washington Post. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.